In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be interviewing Mr. Andrew Pickering, the Serie A commentator. We'll be doing a mid-season review, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another year and another season and episode of Studio Inter. I'm your host Nima Tavali Ruzzari, wishing you welcome to this decade, which we hope will be much, much better than the previous one from an Inter point of view. Um, but before we get to everything, let me just in- let me introduce my panel. I'm joined well, all the way from Egypt this time around, uh, the preview writer from um, the preview writer for sempreinter.com, Mr. Mohamed Nassar. Hey, everyone. I'm uh, very happy, very excited about the new year, albeit a little disappointing at this, disappointed after the weekend, but let's get this started. Agreed, agreed. And we are also joined by our good friend from Toronto. He's an editor over at TSN, uh, our own our own Luca Marelli, Mr. Michael Gallo. Hey, Mo, I bet you the weather is much nicer in Egypt than it is in Toronto right now. <laughs> I saw a video of Toronto and it literally made me freeze. Like I started feeling cold just looking at it. <laughs> it's a disaster, but uh, it, I'm very happy to be back with you guys. Uh, ho- Good. Yeah, I'm just Good. hoping it's not, a, it's not another midfield injury we have uh, on the cusp <laughs> right now. Mm, hope you're right. And we're also joined by a very good friend. He's a commentator over at uh, Il Nero e Lazzurro. And he's also the president and founder of the I Love Marco Violi fan club, Mr. Fulvio Santucci. <laughs> Hi, Nima. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. It's a pleasure to talk to you from Italy. And it's a pleasure to talk to you with in the middle of another intercrisis. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and I was thinking, uh, for those of you who missed, uh, uh, Fulvio revealed over the Christmas break that he has an absolute amazing singing voice. Um, I'll let Luke Fulvio uh, uh, explain a little bit about that later in the show. And we are also joined uh, for the first time. Uh, he's a commentator for, uh, for, uh, in English for this international broadcast from the Serie A. Uh, he's making a studio, studio inter debut. He comes from what he calls the People's Republic of Stoke. Well, welcoming to, to welcome to Studio Inter, Mr. Andrew Pickering. Uh, I don't want you to to correct you on that introduction, but it's the Democratic People's Republic sorry, of Stoke. Sorry, sorry, it's the Democratic <laughs> People's Republic of Stoke. That's the one. So, well, welcome anyway. <laughs> Good to have you. Uh, cheers. Yeah, great to be here, and uh, buon anno to everyone. Nice one. Well, let's get things started. I mean, uh, it's it's a midweek. Uh, we, uh, the, the the second part of the season is a day old, if we want to speak that way. Um, and Juventus are four points clear. Uh, Inter are just behind them. And Lazio, if they win their game in hand, could actually go second and go past Inter. Um, do you... I mean, I've personally not believed one second that, the, that, that Inter were going to threaten Juventus for the... Or anyone was going to threaten Juventus for the title. Um, is that it now? Is the Serie A title race over? Or do you see Lazio or even Inter being able to push Juventus to the wire? No, I, I don't think it's over. I think there's we're, we're just gone halfway through the season. Um, yeah, you, I know at this time Juventus have this feeling of a sort of invincible force that will win the league somehow, whatever happens. 
but um, I think there's still a long way to go. I'm not sure this Juventus side are quite as mechanical at winning as uh, under Allegri. So I don't think it's over. It's going to be very hard to displace them. But um, no, I think we've still got a title race on our hands. Uh, nice one. Uh, well, Mo, did you have a question for Andrew? Yeah, Andrew, um, I wanted to get your take on Lazio. I mean, you know, they're a bit of a punching bag here on Studio Inter because uh, if there's a bigger choker in the league uh, than, uh, than our beloved uh, Nerazzurri, at least in the last few years, it's always been uh, Lazio. This uh, ridiculous run that they're on, uh, both them as a team and uh, Immobile as a, as a striker, as a scorer, do you reckon that this is uh, this has got legs to it, or uh, is uh, is it just a bubble that's about to burst at any point now? Uh, yeah, I think I'm in the minority here, but I think there's going to be a point where we have to start seriously considering Lazio in the title race, which sounds crazy, and I completely agree with you. Previous iterations of the Lazio team have been, yeah, almost as crazy as Pazza Inter, let's say, but. Um, yeah, I think I think they have a massive test at the weekend. I know they're playing the Coppa Italia midweek, but if we just concentrate on the league, they have a massive test in the derby, and then they have three winnable games, admittedly, in the space of seven days. I think I, th- I think they're in it. I think they're still outsiders. But if they were to keep their first team fit for all their big games coming up... Um, yeah, I truly think on their day, they've shown they can beat anyone and they seem to have lost that craziness that they had. They they seem a lot more sensible. I remember commentating on them when they beat Udinese at home and it was a very sensible performance. Like They got the goals and then they were just content with that to see out the victory comfortable. And okay, it was only Udinese at home, but they've shown in other games that yeah, they they can also blow teams away. They seem to be able to win in many ways, um, which I think is sort of a definition of a team that will be in a title race. So I am, from everyone I've spoke to anyway, um, yeah, I'm in the minority, but I really think they, they're right in it. Mm. Um, Fulvio, did you have a question for Andrew? Yeah, I have a question for Andrew. First of all, uh, I would like to to say to Andrew that uh, I really appreciate and like his uh, nickname on on the Twitter, which uh, I think is Maglianera, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I appreciate that because it's a it's a fine uh, it's a fine citation from the from the Italian cyclism. Uh, I, I I'm not into cyclism, but I I like this concept of the of the black shirt, which was uh, once. Uh, Reserved to the last classified of the Giro d'Italia competition, so it's uh, yeah, it's exactly. very smart, it's very exactly. wise. I, I like it. <laughs> and uh, coming coming to my question, coming to my question, um, in the in the last game, Inter um, had a lot of problem actually, but one of this was the injury of Brozovic. Um, and Brozovic uh, seems that uh, needs to rest like for one month. So um, I was thinking that uh, one year ago, um, it, it, it was a common opinion that uh, the Inter team could not play without Brozovic. Uh, now I would like to ask you, coming to, the, uh, to, the, to this Inter, to the Contes Inter, 
how is it, how is important Brozovic, uh, how is replaceable Brozovic, and do you think that uh, this uh, injury could count less than one year ago? Or do you think that Brozovic is still a crucial and key player also into this version of Inter? Um, I think it's it's a case of both, I think. I think he is a very important part of this Inter team, but I don't think it's as big a blow as it would have been uh, last season. And also, maybe if Christian Eriksen is as close to signing as he's supposed to be, that may allow him to come in and then release that extra striker a bit further up the field, which with his signing, I can only assume that is the option instead of having more three flat central midfielders, really playing Christian Eriksen right up uh, ahead, or sorry, just in behind Lukaku and Lautaro. So um, Brozovic is certainly, he's that player that keeps it ticking over. Um, But I mean, this season... Sensi and Barella are also two players that I think can maybe not cover him because they're slightly different players, but um, they have a certain they have a certain strength in that midfield with Sensi and Barella um, to maybe be able to survive a Brozovic injury, which they couldn't do last season. I think. Well, I think there's a simple, uh, my simple solution to that problem is called Sandro Tonali. Get Sandro Tonali in the summer. Uh, Because, you know, if you have Tonali and Ericsson and you have Barella and Sensi, you're covered. You know, then then you don't need anyone. You're sorted for for the next decade. For the next decade. Um, uh, Mike, Mike, do you have a a question for uh, for Andrew? Yeah, uh, I want to follow up on uh, on Ericsson here. So if Inter pull the trigger and bring in Ericsson, and obviously say if Brozovic is injured for the next month or, or whatever it may be, when he comes back, what does Inter's starting midfield look like? You know, because you've got an Ericsson, Brozovic, Sensi, Barella. Is there an odd man out? Uh, are you able to start all four? Do you have to, like, who... And do you do a rotation? What's the process? And I mean, maybe it's based on how each player is playing when Ericsson kind of gets uh, molded into the team. But once everything gets going, what would Inter's midfield, their starting midfield look like if Ericsson, if Inter pulled the trigger on Ericsson and he comes? Uh, I can't see a situation where you can play all four. I think it has to be three of the four. And... Yeah, I I think it's probably, if you're at home, you're having to take the game to somebody, um, you know, the likes, the likes of Cagliari and Udinese coming up. I think you can afford to have that man further forward in Christian Eriksen and then have probably a Brozovic and either a Barala or Sensi. Um, whereas, yeah, if maybe you need to be slightly tighter, um, you can then play... Uh, Barella, Sensi and Brozovic. I think that that's the obvious way it seems to go. I mean, Antonio Conte is far more of a tactical genius than I will ever be. <laughs> so um, maybe he there's another plan in there. But I, I can't really see any other beyond those two systems. So you've, you've roughly got the same formation. But Ericsson, he doesn't really sit as a central midfielder per se. He's got to be in that trequartista role uh, and really right up in behind the two strikers. So um, 
I think what it does give Inter is it gives them options that maybe they don't have right now to slightly tweak the system uh, because Conte is always going to play that same sort of 3-5-2 formation. It's a slight variation of it and it it gives them options. And also it's the sort of player, if you're chasing a game, there's going to be times in this second half of the season when Inter need a goal, they need to get back into games. If they've started with a, more of a flat midfield three, then bringing Ericsson on, it, it provides that extra attacking impetus. So that's how I see it going. Um, yeah, I can't see it going really any other way. But unless Conte has a sort of tactical masterstroke up his sleeve, I think. Mm, that's, a, that's a good point. So um, I wanted to ask you a little bit um, uh, what, what your predictions is of this, like, this season going forward. Who do you think will win the Scudetto? Uh, who do you think will win the Coppa Italia? Let's start with those two. I uh, was fearing this question because I've been thinking <laughs> about this question all week before doing the Lazio. I commentated on the Lazio game at the weekend and I thought about the title race and I've pretty much got reasons why all three could win it and reasons why all three could lose it. Maybe slightly less reasons why Juventus could lose it. Um if I'm going to put my name on a team, I will go for... Uh, <laughs> this is how long I've been thinking of it. Um, I could go boring and say Juventus. I'm probably not what you want to hear on an Inter podcast, but I'm going <laughs> to go flashy and I'm going to go Lazio. I'll be Ooh. the one person in the world that believes they can actually win the title. Hmm, fair enough. I, I can. Okay. What about uh, the Coppa Italia? Who do you think will win that? The Coppa Italia, I think, will be won by Inter, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on an Inter podcast. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I I do see. I can see Inter building something, both sort of on and off the field, um, and I think. Right now, they need to win something to get that feeling of winning back. And I think it will be the Coppa Italia. I, I don't know how they'll do it, but um, yeah, I think they're going to find a big result somewhere along the way. Um, and yeah, I I just think they're, they're going to win it. I can't, I can't really express in words exactly how or why, but um, I think Conte's a winner. I don't think he's going to end the season without a trophy. Um, and yeah, I think it will be the Coppa Italia. Um, well, what about okay? So, if you think Lazio will win, then obviously Juventus will join them in the Champions League. Which other two teams will do you think will join them in the Champions League as well? The other two teams, um, yeah, it is going to be into Juventus, Lazio. And then you're looking at really Atalanta or Roma, I think, at the moment. Um, I would probably go with Roma. I think Atalanta are maybe going to put a lot into their Champions League games. Um, and I think that eventually will just about take its toll. Um, I'm a big fan of how Atalanta play. And I think, I think they enrich the Champions League. But I, I just think... Yeah, Roma might just be a little bit fresher come the end of the season. I agree. I agree. Right. Um, what about? I mean, it would. It's a silly question to ask who who will win the Copa, uh, who will become the Capo Cannoniere, given that 
uh, Immobile's average is more than a goal per game. And I think, so I think the question I'm going to ask you is, do you think that he will break the, the record that Gonzalo Higuain equaled a couple of years ago and score more than 36 goals? Yes. I, I'm, I'm really going out on the uh, ambitious predictions here. And I could look very <laughs> stupid at the end of the season. But I just, I think in that Lazio team, he's always going to get chances. Um, he's always going to score goals. So he's on 23. He needs another 13 in 80. No, 19 because they've got the game in hand. Um, yeah, let's go. Let's say yes. I wasn't expecting to be asked this. I was expecting <laughs> who, to, who was going to win the league. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I did the game at the weekend. And um, yeah, he he was... Yeah, he's just incredible. It was two penalties, but they're going to keep on getting penalties the way they attack as well. It's no, it's no luck really that they keep getting penalties. It's because they spend so long in and around the opposition box. So, um, so thirty-six. Yes, yeah, I'll say it. He's going to equal thirty-six. Oh, you say you're going to equal it. Okay, nice one. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on, Andrew. We really appreciate it. And if people want to follow you, I think Fulvio we gave away your handle, but uh, please, uh, please say it again. And if you've got something coming out, feel free to pr- plug it. It is at Malianera86, uh, which probably isn't the easiest for any Anglophones <laughs> trying to type it in. But it's uh, Maglianera is probably how um, any English speakers would uh, pronounce it. Um, but yeah, I've got a got a few games coming up. Got the weekend is the Atalanta game, and then I've actually got the Inter game for the Coppa Italia, and then a Roma game after that. So yeah, plenty of games coming up. All of them quite interesting and um, could well be exciting as well. So um, yeah, and just to say thanks for having me, and yeah, it's been a pleasure talking. Thanks, Andrew. Take care. Talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on. Okay, ciao, bye-bye. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Right, uh, thank you very much to Andrew Pickering there. Um, well, I thought we'd, we'd continue down this, um, this path of, uh, of, of like a mid-season review here and, and see what, where we are with, with our, um, what we think, uh, how Inter has done. I mean, I don't want to dwell too much on the, on the Lecce game because to me, I think, you know, when, when all of the Italian media say that the refereeing, the refereeing was the worst they've ever seen, uh, I think that's pretty, you know, that says it all. But but I think at the end of the day, as as Fulvio said, I think we should talk about the another inter crisis. And I, w- I would like to ask you to elaborate on that, Fulvio. Is this another inter crisis in the making, or are we already there? Or h- how do you view this? I'm not sure we're talking about a crisis here. Um, we are talking about a crisis only if we compare to the um, to the to the outstanding results that you, that we have during the autumn. So we're talking about a crisis because of uh, four draws uh, into seven games, right? So that means that practically in uh, in seven games uh, we made uh, uh, we made 13 points out of 21, which I think that uh, everybody could uh, I, I think everybody could live with that uh, if uh, if you told them at the at the beginning of the season, right? So yeah. Now, now that uh, the expectations uh, are, are a little bit higher than, than the beginning of the season, uh, <laughs> we are practically talking about this. But uh, 
it's not a crisis. It's just that um, it, I, I think that uh, actually Antonio Conte said everything that uh, needs to be said yesterday because uh, he said uh, very clearly that uh, if this team uh, is not uh, is not uh, playing uh, uh, with uh, with a rhythm, uh, um, with a very high rhythm uh, into into the game, uh, it's a normal team, and uh, I think that that is all. I think that that uh, in in this in this sentence, that's all that we need to know, right? So we know that uh, uh, we know that uh, we are not lucky with um, with the injury, and we know that uh, we are uh, uh, we are achieving this result. So we are still in the title race, and and it's end of January. We are achieving this uh, this results uh, playing uh, with people like uh, Biragi, which comes from Fiorentina. He was a team uh, already relegated last year. Uh, Vecino, Gagliardini, which uh, I respect, but uh, these are players. These are is practically the midfield of Spalletti here, and we played yeah. two months with the, with the midfield of uh, of Spalletti, which was barely barely enough to to achieve the the last spot for the Champions League. Mm. So I think that uh, something is good here, and I think that uh, it's uh, it's pretty normal that we achieve uh, achieve draw and uh, we cannot win all, all the games. I think it's pretty normal. Uh, say, said all that, it's uh, it's painful to to see how how the draw of Lecce has, has came because Inter actually was uh, ahead of Lecce and and took the lead. Yeah. Right and uh, the yeah the, the the shameful thing is that uh, Hinter took the lead, right? And the big team uh, when they took the lead uh, is uh, nearly impossible uh, for a team like Lecce to 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 level this. But for Lecce it was possible. So that's that's the difference uh, between uh, uh, a normal a normal team that are that is overperforming and a big team. I think. Mm. I think you brought you wrote something which kind of leads me into the next question I wanted everyone to talk about, and uh, and that's uh, the like this mid-season review. Do we think that uh, Antonio Conte's Inter has overperformed, uh, and and therefore, you know, the, the 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 results that we're seeing these past seven games is more what we can expect from from this Inter, or or is this the level they're at? Um, I, I, I'm curious to hear. What do you think, Mike? Uh, I, I thought about this, and I don't think Inter have overperformed. I don't think Inter have underperformed. I think they're kind of right where they need to be. Uh, when you look at results, there might be a little bit different than when you see on the field. But when you look at the table and you see Inter in second place and they're four points back of Juve, and I know that Lazio has a game in hand, but if you would ask everyone at the beginning of the season, is this is what is this okay? Maybe, maybe not. But I think they've had some really good results this year. I mean, listen, 20, uh, we've been inter been in crises. Uh, that's a word, crisis, uh, many times over the last decade. And this is—I don't think this is anywhere near to what we've experienced in the past. You know, twenty twenty. Oh. Inter have you know? It's not been a disaster of a of a. Of a 2020, they've inter you know with a one at Napoli. They haven't done that since the Stone Age. Uh, <laughs> I know that. I know that. Uh, listen, Inter when they when they played Atalanta, they probably should have lost that game. But uh, drawing them isn't isn't like a a big isn't no. a huge issue. No. Uh, beating Cagliari 4-1. I mean, yeah, at Lecce 1-1. But hey, Lecce also drew Juve this year too. So it's I guess it's not the worst thing in the world. So look, I I I don't think that. Uh, 
Inter have overachieved, have underachieved. I think Inter have pretty much where I expected them to be. Uh, you know, a win and a point back of Juve is kind of, uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, yes, Inter were in first place a few weeks ago. I get it. That's why everyone's very negative right now. But this is where they deserve to be. And it's not the worst thing in the world. Agreed. What about you, Mo? What do you think? Do you think Inter have over? Like, do you think this 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 Conte's Inter has have, has overperformed a little bit, or do you think this is where they where they pretty much should be? No, look. I think in terms of uh, footballing ability, I mean, what what Fulvio said about uh, the midfield for the last three months being uh, Spalletti's uh, midfield that barely made it to fourth spot is spot on. You know, so. Um, I, I think, uh, like, I, I agree uh, by and large with uh, what Michael said. And, uh, um, we all pretty much predicted Inter to be in the mix right around second or third. So this, this is really the moment. I, I, I think, um, again, you, you've also rightly said that we don't want to dwell on the Lecce game too much. But what, what bothered me, uh, what bothered me about the last two matches the fact that we drew, it's the manner in which the draws have happened. And it's not mm. not like not because we let go of the lead against Lecce, but the intensity that uh, mm. Conte was talking about after the, the game was lacking the intensity with which, you know, Inter blew everyone away in the first uh, half of the season in the autumn spell. That, that, that really felt like it was missing in the Sassuolo game, uh, in the Barca game away at the Camp Nou uh, in the first half, you know, so... I felt like that that might be why I'm more disappointed rather than by the results, but in the manner of which the players went out to uh, to try and take the points. I don't think uh, I, I don't think it's a it's a crisis. I don't think the team is overachieved or underachieved uh, in agreement with Michael. Uh, I think it could be a crisis, but I think it's also very remediable because. It's it's not for lack of uh, I mean with with Barel and Sensi back it's not for lack of uh, talent in, in in the selectable squad but it's more a lack of maybe uh, uh, ambition and, and and desire and if there's one thing that Conte is going to be able to do is you know under the players' bums and make sure they uh, they go uh, they come out against Cagliari uh, you know. Uh, with all uh, guns blazing, you know, whatever, yeah. guns blazing, uh, all yeah. cylinders firing, whatever metaphor you want to use, but you know, so so I yeah, I, you know, not to be too too long-winded, but I, I think, and I agree with both Julio and uh, and Michael in that uh, it's not really a crisis at the moment, and I'm pretty much content with where we are. I mean, I I just add to that that personally, I don't I don't I think we've we, Inter's Conte has overperformed in the sense that. In terms of points tally, I did not expect him to have this many points at this, you know, at this stage in the season. But but if you look at the position in the league, second, third is pretty much what I expected them to do. Uh, I think maybe a few points too many, but if you but, but that's about it. Um, other than that, I to call this a crisis would be silly. I mean, let's be honest. It's it's it, it, we can't call it a crisis now, uh, because Inter are where they are, and it's you know like like Fulvio said, we have what four or seven draws, and you know we have thirteen points out of twenty one in January, December for Inter. That's like 
<laughs> that's like winning. That's like winning. I don't know. That's like winning every game, you know. So, so I, I don't have a. I, for me, I don't. I don't think they've been, they've overperformed maybe in terms of points, but not in positioning. That's where I, that's where I'm at on that. Um, what what about uh, if I asked you all quickly, uh, who do you all think has been Inter's best player and why? Uh, I'll start with you, Fulvio. So far, so uh, far. I, I thought a lot about this because uh, the, there was uh, there was a lot of uh, of, uh, of players uh, into the into the nomination for this, but I think that uh, I think that if I, if I made um, if I make a, a fair analysis, I think that the best player for Inter so far has been Stefan de Frey. Because the guy actually never, but I mean never, never made any error, never made any mistake, any fall. And uh, even uh, when the team uh, is not uh, is not okay, is not in the best shape, is not in the best uh, day, um, you can always count on him, right? Uh, and even even yesterday, even uh, even in the in the game uh, against Lecce, was uh, I think easily one of the best players uh, aligned by Inter. And uh, you keep, I, I keep be surprised at this, but um, actually not so, not so surprised because uh, uh, because I, I know I know the value of the player and uh, is is a, is, a, is a lot undervalued because nobody from Italian media never tell, told that this is one of the best player into into Serie A so far, and uh, mm. it's the truth. Mm. I mean, true. and yeah, so I I will I will go I will go with him because uh, actually it's uh, you you cannot tell you cannot tell anything to the fray. Never made mm. any error during any of the game that he played. Never. And he and he plays. He defends like the classic Italian elegant defenders. Like the way he moves on the pitch. He's such an elegant defender. Like the way he passes, the way he moves, the way he reads the game. He he reminds me, his movement on, on the pitch reminds me a little bit of Alessandro Nesta when he was at his best. This kind of, this elegance. And and I've only ever seen that in, Ital in Italian defenders. I've never seen that in a non-Italian defender. Mo? He's got an economy of uh, of motion you know like uh, mm. he, he he's never all over the place never never needs to do a last last ditch, that ditch tackle just yeah like you say very elegant yeah. very elegant and it's this kind of like he plays like a libero almost if you, you know we don't have that anymore yeah, but, no, no. but but it's so it's so it's gorgeous no I, I think it's really nice to see um so mo while we're on the topic and you're on it who's your best player of the season so far Andanovic? Andanovic? <laughs> no, uh, I, I have to say, I, I had intended, um, it, it, it was a difficult toss-up, I had intended to possibly give a shout-out to De Frey, but uh, seeing that Fulvio spoke so well about him, I think, um, I mean, the obvious candidate for me, other than uh, De Frey, would be uh, Lukaku. And, I mean, you know, I understand that Lautaro has also had a breakout season up front, and, and it's not for the goals, what, what I appreciate the most about Lukaku's presence is um, how he's made us completely forget about the Icardi crisis, you know, and completely. transform. Yeah, it, it's, it's not for the goals. The goals are the goals. I mean, you know, the goals, Lautaro scored for amazing goals, but just the general mood of the club, uh, no mm. acrimony. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, we have a bit of a higher profile uh, in, in Europe, uh, the bromance with uh, Lautaro, just the whole thing. Uh, and, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't keen on uh, Lukaku coming uh, that much, I have to admit, but I've been completely won over. And uh, I think, you know, thank you very much for the goals. They're, they're lovely. We really appreciate them all. But more importantly, 
the the off the off the pitch or uh, off the ball uh, sentiment and and, and general uh, general uh, uh, contribution to the squad. I think this is this is why I think I have to shout out Big Rom. Yeah, and and for me, we were told by the English media and everyone watching the Premier League, and also when watching Lukaku in the Premier League, he can't hold up the ball. His link-up play is poor. His first touch is awful. Well, not at Inter, hasn't. I mean, his link-up play is absolutely world-class. He's brilliant at holding up the ball. His move, you know, his intelligence, and uh, he's been an absolutely world-class striker. Uh, it, it's it's so nice to see. And and as you say, the off-field stuff. I mean, when he gave that penalty to Sebastiano Esposito, and 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 the way he's handled himself when when being attacked in the media by the by no no in the media, but by attacked these racist attacks by idiots at the stadiums, and also let's not forget some so-called journalists in the Italian media. Who who make who who attack who come with it with with racist bullshit against him? He he handles it with such incredible class, and and that is yeah no I agree with you I think he's 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 really you can understand why Antonio Conte has been begging to work with this guy for such a long time uh, I can completely understand that uh, he's he's such a class act uh, Mike who was your uh, who's you who's who do you think has been the best player of the season? Well, I think Mo, Mo made a really good point there, and it's it, Lukaku has made us forget about Luke Icardi, and I didn't really think about that until until right now. I'm like, like I, yeah, I see Icardi's statistics and his highlights of his goals, but really, I've just kind of forgotten about that whole disaster last year, and it's mainly because Lukaku has has stood in for him so well. And Nima, we talked about this many times before, right when they made the signing. I didn't like it. I thought they paid way too much for him. And, uh, and he's proven me wrong, and I'm, I'm ecstatic about it. Um, but that being said, I mean, it, this is obviously a very difficult choice to, for Inter's best player. Uh, Lukaku was right up there. I think if Sensi hadn't got injured, I think maybe he would have been my choice. But that kind of set him back. Uh, but I have to say it's been Stefan Dervey. Like, he's just, he's been rock solid. Uh, at the back, there's like I really can't even think of any goals he's been responsible for at the back. Maybe one the entire season. It's just like he's been so consistent. Positioning is is solid. Uh, he you can tell he communicates really really well with screen yard and Godin. Uh, I, I have to say that he's been the most consistent and uh, our best player. Um, not by much, but if, there, if, I, if I had to choose, it's got to be him. I hate to change the subject, but right now, Piero Auxilio told Sky Sport Italia that, and I quote, we have just made an official bid to Tottenham to sign Christian Eriksen, and now we're waiting. Many clubs are interested, but we are confident in trying to get a top player like Christian Eriksen, end of quote. Right. Um, yeah, no, I agree with everything you guys just said. Uh, but for me, um, and I'm not being facetious, and I'm not having a wind-up here, against Mo, but I honestly think Andanovic has been our best player. And not because not just because of, you know, I think he's been so all the mistakes that he's been he's been accused of doing in the past, he's not done this season. He's he's owned the penalty area and he finally has a world class defense in front of him. And he he can now he he takes he lifts them even higher by making these insane saves uh that he's doing. And and I think he is by far the best goalkeeper in the Serie A. Not even close right now. Uh, so for me, it's 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 and and what's really ha- what makes me so happy is that all of us have different players almost. 
And that just goes to show how good this Inter has been. And that is also worth noting because in the past, previous seasons, it was always be, oh, it's Icardi, oh, it's Andalovic. You know what I mean? Because everyone else has been so poor. But now there's so many players that are so good that we have we actually have trouble finding players uh, to say that have been the best. But for me, it's been Handanovic. I think uh, Defray and, and and those guys have been also great. But but I think to me, he's he's made he's, his contributions have been winning points uh, that that really caught my eye. Well, what about if we, if we turn the dial on that, uh, turn the other side the negativity negativity on that? Who do you think has been the worst player, Fulvio? Well, easy. This is this is a, this is an easy call, uh, and I, I go I go for Politano, of course. Mm. Uh, probably not because it's, it is fault. Uh, probably because um, the change of the of the of the style of play actually has depotentiate uh, him in some way. Um, but uh, also, I have to say that uh, is probably the only player into the Inter squad that uh, has not improved anything since the last year, right? Because if you think about Candreva, if you think about uh, Lautaro Martinez, which, by the way, we did not uh, mention into the best player, but I think uh, it's worth a mention because it's the most improved player um, comparing to the last season. If you think about all this player and then if you, if you look at Politano, he, practically you have, the, you, have the, you have this flavor that you're looking at this exactly the same player, right? So, with uh, the 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 same style of play, in not capable to change his style, not capable to change uh, his skills, uh, and I'm not surprised that uh, that at some point he needs to he needs to go away, right? Because he needs to he needs to to go ahead with his career into a team that uh, fits well for him, and uh, is not uh, Inter at the moment. Is not uh, is not uh, probably is not uh, a. a um, a team that uh, wants to aim for uh, for achieving great uh, great uh, trophies uh, or something like that. So I wish all the best to Politano, but uh, I have to say he was the worst player of the Inter squad so far. For me, it's Cristiano Biraghi uh, because I think he's been. I expected so much when he came. I was so happy when Inter got him. He's a Inter, you know. He's from Milan. He used to stand in the curva. His family are are all. You know, Inter fans. He he came up through the Inter youth ranks. He he was he was good at Pescara. He went to Fiorentina, became a national team player, and then he came to Inter and they loan swapped him with with Dalbert. And I was like, finally, he's a he's a left-footed wing back. You know, he can finally we've, we you know he can he can maybe resolve that issue. And he's been absolutely atrocious. Uh, and and I and I'm so upset about that because I really wanted him to do well. I really 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 wanted him to do well, but you know. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, what about uh, Mo? Who do you think has been the worst player? So, uh, an old fan favorite, I think it's uh, Antonio Candreva, and not because uh, uh, he, he didn't have a quite a strong start to the season, and I recognize that, but I think he tricked us all into thinking that uh, he's this uh, reformed uh, Phoenix risen from the ashes, etc. And then he's just been very, very pedestrian and mediocre. He was absolutely awful against Lecce and uh, Atalanta. So I, I, I think um, uh, what, what upset me is that Kandreva started the season off so brightly with so much promise. And then it seems like uh, we're having just as much trouble on the right flank as we are on the left uh, in the absence of uh, Santo Danilo. So uh, at this point in time, I'm most disappointed in Kandreva. 
Uh, fair enough, Mike. Who's who's been the the your biggest? Who do you think has been the worst player so far this season? Well, this this was a toss up between uh, Politano and Biragi, so it was. For, I mean, for all the reasons that you guys already mentioned, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, I want to go. I mean, going back to October, uh, we did a studio inter po uh, podcast, and uh, I said uh, I want to see more from Politano because he didn't have the you know didn't have that bad of a start of the season. But I said, I, I really want to see more of him. And then, you know, he got some looks. And ever since I mentioned I, w I wanted to see more of him, he has been an absolute disaster. And mm. I don't know if, it, if it's I jinxed him or someone was trying to go at me. But, like, it's I, – I, I feel – I, I honestly feel that he's such a, a, a great attacking player. But maybe it just doesn't fit with, with Inter and Conte. I don't know – where that is, I feel that he would have success for another team. But ever since October, whenever he was on the field, I just can't really think of anything positive he's done for the team. And for that reason, I'd probably go Politano. Although, Biragi, my goodness. Uh, I mean, yeah, he had a great, nice assist against Lecce. But all season long, it's just I don't see that attacking, mindful player that we need on the wing and he's not that player, and maybe that's why we've gone for Ash picked up Ashley Lang. I don't know, but that's uh, I go Politano slightly over Biragi. Mm, good shout, good shout. Uh, right, uh, let's move on to uh, which player that has surprised you the most uh, positively. Uh, I'll start with you, Mike. Well, if, if you asked me in, I'd say, late September, I would have said Kendreva. But as Mo mentioned, it, since then, it's just it's not it's not been that good at all. Uh, his first, I think his first four to six games, he was playing out of, out of his mind. And I was really excited because last season, Kendreva was by far, for me, the, our worst player. Um, so he started off the season so well. I'm like, okay, this is a new Kendreva. This is great. And then all of a sudden, he just fell off a cliff. Uh, so, I mean... Had this been in September, October, that would have said Kendreva, but uh, Lukaku has been the surprise for me. I just really didn't think that this is what we were going to get out of him. Uh, he's From what he's done, scoring the goals, but not only that, but off the ball, uh, his, his, using his physical presence. I can't tell you how many times we've seen Lukaku use his body uh, to shield the ball or just basically move guys off the ball and uh, that's what I really, really like from him and what I've seen from him so far. So uh, I didn't expect Lukaku to have this big of a presence for us. And uh, I think he's our biggest surprise. Mm. Uh, just quickly then, who's been, who do you think has been the most negative surprise? Mike. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, negative surprise. I mean... Well, who surprised you negatively? This well, I, I, I mean, you can go back to Biragi in that situation. I was really happy to have him back. And, and, yeah. and it's, it's not that player that we kind of expected he would be, you know, this bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, you can go back and say, uh, yeah, he's been our worst player, but he's also been the worst surprise negatively as well because I think we had expectations that this could finally solve our one of our wingback situations because we haven't had good wingbacks since Mike and Zanetti. So it's just like, no, it's, 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 that's, that's the negative surprise. And I'm just, it's, it's disappointing because I, I really thought that we had made that, that improvement and clearly we haven't. 
I agree. Uh, for me, for me, I have both. The positive surprise has been Lukaku for me, for because of what we said and the fact that he has this aspect of his game that we were told uh, that, that he hadn't, and Biragi for the same reason. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on both of those. Uh, Fulvio, what about you? Which which player has surprised you positively and negatively, and why? So the positive surprise uh, name of the guy is uh, Alessandro Bastoni. Um, this, uh, this, this for me is incredible because at the beginning of the season, uh, I tend to believe that uh, a 20-year-old uh, defender uh, was uh, impossible to put uh, into a strong defense. We knew, we already knew that we have a strong defense, and we have Diego Godin added, which was top class, world-class player, uh, and I think he, I think it still is. But uh, you know. When you sign uh, a player like this, uh, you always believe that uh, he's going to be he's going to be lined up uh, each and every game. Um, so you did. I, I would never expect this from Alessandro Bastoni, but uh, I discover uh, and I found out that uh, he's is uh, a very consistent player. And uh, no matter if uh, he made some mistakes some at some point uh, because he's young and he needs to to make some to make to make some mistake, but. I think that the quality of uh, the quality of this of this player is uh, is outstanding, and I think that uh, he could deserve uh, uh, the um, the national Italian team um, for the for the Euro 2020. And I hope that Mancini keep uh, keep him into consideration because uh, you have not saw this uh, large amount of uh, Italian defenders into into the team. Uh, so this this is uh, so far the most positive surprise, and I think that. Uh, uh, Bastoni can um, can be considered uh, during the second part of the season as uh, one of the of the key players of uh, of Inter at some point. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, and uh, about the negative surprise, uh, it's a difficult uh, it's a difficult toss here because um, you know I I cannot say that uh, anybody has surprised me negatively speaking because uh, of course for Biragi you always said that you expect a lot from him but. Uh, I didn't expect anything, to be honest, right? Uh, I, knew, I knew him from Fiorentina, and I knew that he was a pretty average, uh, a pretty <laughs> average mid-table uh, Serie uh, side back. Not really, really. You can, you cannot, you cannot retrieve my tweet because uh, because no, I'm I not believe. available anymore. But uh, I, I said Hasht it. I said it. I said it. Hashtag Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually wrote it. I wrote it. So don't expect anything from Biragi because it's a, it's a signing that uh, we need. We need to, you know, we need to to line up a, a side back that is useful for the list. For the as well, and uh, is is grown up in Inter and useful yeah. for the list, and that's all, right? Uh, but but I would say that he plays yeah. for the national team as well. That's why I mean he was starting for the national team the, as a fullback. Uh, well, actually, well, actually now, uh, well, actually now that uh, the national team uh, is um, is practically is practically playing uh, with uh, uh, is playing with Emerson Palmieri right yeah, at the moment, that's, which. That's true. It's not it's not Italian on the paper, but still, it's uh, it's the best shot that that Italy had on that uh, on that place. Yeah, but the thing is that uh, you have, you have not alternatives, right? Alternatives are the Shidio, probably. So yeah. same level, right? It's uh, yeah. it's a lack of the role. But um, go ahead on your question. I probably would say that uh, um, the the negative surprise could be Alexis Sanchez. Mm. And I'm, I'm not speaking about a negative surprise because uh, I mean that uh, what we are seeing from him uh, was the worst, case, the worst case scenario when we signed that. Uh, still worst, but uh, some way acceptable. 
Uh, the only thing is that uh, I did. Uh, I, I know. I knew that uh, th this was a bet. Uh, I risk bet, and I knew that. But uh, also, I could expect at this point something more than uh, practically three games played, right? Because he played uh, uh, on the Camp Nou, and he played. Uh, he played a, a very good first half against Sampdoria, then uh, red card. I was disqualified against Juventus, and then uh, he got injured. And uh, so we're talking about uh, three games, and we are at the end of January. It's uh, and uh, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's negative, right? It's negative because uh, you see that uh, the you have the proof now that the player is not uh, you you cannot count on him. And, mm. and uh, it's a shame if you remember mm. what Alexis Sanchez actually was. Mm. Very good point, Fulvio. Very good point. Um, Mo, what about you? Positive, negative surprises? Uh, positive surprise has to be uh, Stefano Sensi for me. I know he's been out injured for a hot minute, but uh, honestly, like the big marquee midfield signing was Barella. Uh, Sensi kind of slipped in under the radar. I have to admit, I hadn't seen him, uh, I hadn't seen much of him uh, in uh, Sassuolo. Um, so I, I, I did not expect. Um, I, I didn't expect the level of performance from this guy. He's, he was, in the, in the start of the season, absolutely phenomenal, fantastic. So for me, that's, that, that remains to be the biggest surprise. Um, uh, I'd say negative surprise is Politano, because uh, it was clear that uh, Conte's, uh, Conte's Midas touch uh, was particularly aligned with the Italian players. Uh, he was able to reform, create Bastoni, uh, reform Cantreva, for, albeit for a short while. Uh, Gagliardini also improved his uh, output, uh, and I, I really expect more from uh, Politano. It's, and uh, like Michael had alluded to earlier, it's not for lack of chances. He'd been given chances, and every time he came onto the pitch, it was as if he hadn't received any instructions at all, and he's just doing the same old garbage, cutting in from the from the right flank, trying to take shots, not participating in, in play. And it all seemed to me not lack of talent, but lack of desire to, to, to follow a, a game plan or be part of the team, just prove himself individually rather than aid the, aid the squad. And that mentality for me was quite surprising because he had been very, very promising under Spalletti last year and very um, well integrated with the squad. And, and to me, the, the fact that he seems to, all, uh, to always be uh, almost like a satellite when he comes on the onto the pitch, not part of the core uh, core team, is is just very very surprising for me. I've, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and or criticize something or someone in the world of football. Starting with the positive stuff, uh, this week's um, Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Mo Nassar. He's, he works a lot. He's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Yeah, so it's a tough week uh, for positivity. For positivity. Um, um, so I, I'd like to do a, a bit of a meta meta shout out and uh, or a meta nomination by selecting uh, grumpy old uh, Nima and myself as uh, the Maratis of the week for not having <laughs> <laughs> for not having. Jumped on the Inter for the Scudetto Van Wagen earlier in the season, yes, being well documented thank you. on thank more you. than one occasion, saying <laughs> we'll only believe in April. <laughs> that's that's a lot of time. I just want to say that, uh, yeah, like it's uh, we're the, uh, and at least not me. Like I don't believe or don't have uh -oh. the desire to to believe, but 
but yeah, no, I mean, it, it was it was far too good, far too soon. So uh, I still don't think it's a crisis, but I think at least now uh, expectations are a bit tempered. Earth. Yeah, we're back yeah. on planet. Earth. I agree. Exactly. Uh, uh, let's uh, let's move on to something much more negative. This week's Moji was presented by Mr. Michael Gallup. My Moji of the week. Well, I'm gonna say Moji of <laughs> of the month of the month because it happened about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Okay. Uh, forgive me if I'm getting this guy's name right. Sky Sports reporter, Kave Solhikol. Is that yes. his, how you say his name? I think that's really good. He's, he's, got, he's of Iranian descent. Kave oh. Solhikol. So I think Solhikol. that was pretty all right. Okay. Yeah, was- so he is the emoji of the week, of the month, probably of the decade, for his <laughs> comments that he said that Tottenham is a bigger club than Inter Milan. And they were discussing the Christian Eriksen moving from Spurs <laughs> to Inter. And he came on. He's like, why would Christian Eriksen go from Spurs to uh, Inter? And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, why wouldn't he? Well, he's, and his reasons were Spurs have a better stadium. Okay. They are a richer club. They went further in the Champions League last season. They have Jose Mourinho. So why would Eriksen go to Italy? When, the, when Juve are favorites, I don't, I cannot comprehend the bias from, from this, these points. Like, would any of these points make a person, a player's decision to go from one team to the other because they have a better stadium? Because they're a richer club. <laughs> like, I just, I couldn't comprehend it. And then I'm thinking, okay, okay, Tottenham is a bigger club than Inter Milan. Okay, sure. So Inter Milan has 18 league titles, three Champions League titles. Tottenham has zero league titles, zero Champions League titles. So they're a bigger club, right? Okay. Right now, Inter, four points back of first place in Serie A. Tottenham, now get ready for this one. Tottenham, 33 points back of first place. They only have 31 points total. So they have, they're more points back of Liverpool than they actually have points, and they're in eighth place. So this guy's <laughs> trying to say that Tottenham is a bigger club than Inter Milan, and they have a better situation at Spurs than it is at Inter. No thank you. Terrible take. And uh, I never want to listen to another word this guy says ever again. I don't know what this guy. I mean, it's just, he's he's been very overtly critical about Inter. Genuinely, generally, like his his ranting about when Inter wanted to get paid for Perisic, he's he's been ranting about Inter. Uh, you know, several years now. I don't know if I don't know what this guy's got against Inter, but it's really really silly to say that. Uh, since you know, uh, sorry, Fulvio, go. Yeah, no, no, no. I just, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it just came in my mind something about Tottenham uh, that uh, I, I saw on the on the social network. I remember probably it was Twitter like two or three months ago. And there was this uh, three or four um, Tottenham players. I remember Harry Kane. I remember Lamela, right? Uh, in, a, in, a, in a photo, in a picture. And um, yeah, and uh, the tweet said, uh, how do you call uh, this, uh, these guys if they were um, uh, a, um, a musical group, right? 
And uh, I remember that uh, probably was a Manchester United fan that practically quote the street uh, and boom uh, the web because uh, he told uh, my name uh, for this guy's is Imaging Trophies. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I mean, uh, was, I, I, was, you know, you know, the, the, the real name was Imagine Dragons, but actually it was Imagine <laughs> Prophets. But that, that, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Fulvio, because it's kind of ridiculous that he were to talk about a bigger club. Uh, the, the Inter is a bigger club than 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 than, than uh, the, the Tottenham are a bigger club than Inter because since 1991, the last time that, in, that Tottenham won the FA Cup, and that's the major trophy. No, I do not count the League Cup as a major trophy. But since 1991, Inter have won three Europa Leagues, three, uh, three uh, UEFA Cups, one Champions League, and five Serie A titles. Like, what are you talking about? They have a big, they have a new stadium. <laughs> That's the definition of how a club is bigger. Like, what? No, it's just, it's just embarrassing that someone calls themselves an expert and then has absolutely zero, no clue whatsoever what they're talking about. And, and this isn't the first time that this comes from, from that, you know, and the, again, this isn't against Tottenham fans. This, is, this isn't a dig on Tottenham. Actually, most Tottenham fans found that pretty offensive because it's not true. You know, Inter won the Champions League in 2010. We have four European titles since the last time. Tottenham won an actual major trophy. So, no, no, just just stop embarrassing yourself. Right, um, let's move on to this, uh, to something much more comical, this week's Frog, which I'll be presenting myself. So, um, you, th this week's Frog um, has to go to the, 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 a journalist on Twitter called Alistair Gold, he, 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 he um, covers Tottenham for uh, Football London, and he tweeted out a thread about Dimitar Berb Berbatov that I'm going to read verbatim because it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, Dimitar Berbatov is still very much a, a rebel. He came into the media cafe at Spurs about 10 minutes before kickoff looking for food. He grabbed a sandwich roll, but the catering manager came over and asked him where his pre-match meal voucher was. All the media get given one. While his colleague argued his case, having taken one himself, explaining who the Bulgarian was, Berbatov casually buttered his roll, stuffed the whole thing into his mouth, and stood in front of the woman with it hanging half out, as if to say, what are you going to do now? This sent the catering manager to a new level of anger or outrage at this Bulgarian and his devil-may-care attitude. While she raged, Berbatov simply smiled with buttered bread still hanging out of his mouth before walking out of the room. <laughs> and he ends it with Dimitar Berbatov doing what he wants since 1981. <laughs> <laughs> That, I don't think we need to explain why that is the frog of the week, and that that situation is just simply brilliant. Um, right, I'd like to thank uh, Andrew Pickering and Mo for coming on this week's show. I'd like to thank you for listening. Also, thank thank you for coming on, Fulvio. Don't be a stranger. Yes, thank you very much, Nima. I will try my best to be here as soon as I can. Yeah, and th thank you, Mike. You're very welcome. Another game against uh, Cagliari. It feels like we just played them, and uh, <laughs> that's that, that's. Uh, that's coming up to Sunday, so hopefully a big three points on the weekend. Absolutely, which we'll discuss next week. And until next week, my name is Nima Tavale Rutsari, wishing you all a good week, happy weekend, and three points. And until next time, sempre e solo, forza Inter. Ah!